0: Hi everyone, this is Paper and Pain. I'm Christian.
1: I'm Steve. How are you?
0: discussing something that may resonate really well with a lot of people who seem to be tuning in thank you so much by the way for uh, listening to Paper and Pain every other weekend we do try to release the episodes regularly and we're now having a few more beautiful guests coming in so stay tuned listen to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts yeah, that's great Today we want to address something that uh, has been an issue in the industry, something that's been crippling a lot of minds, Mm -hmm. in ours included. Uh, Something that is rather prominent, uh, basically not just in design but also beyond design as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to talk about imposter syndrome. Does the end up in the room today? Imposter syndrome why it actually matters less than we may think uh mm-hmm. it should in what you can do about it but steve tell me first are you an imposter are you a real designer
1: um, it's tough first thing that comes to your mind how would you First thing come to my intuitively, I'm still thinking I'm an imposter, even though so, I've been practicing design for six or seven years now.
0: Okay, how, would, that's, that's how, did you, how did you start in design?
1: I started with industrial design practice, basically, not really digital. And but, before that? And before that, my major has nothing to do with design. I mean, it's still design, but it's not really digital or industrial design. I supposed to be... The kind of designer, designing for medical instrumentations. I supposed to be like designing for MRI machines, CT scanners. So you were
0: supposed to be doing something useful. But doctor's
1: assistant, case you, of study, you genetic decided therapy. to do
0: fintech and design systems. <laughs> that is one of those uh, answers that you hear mm-hmm. every now and then. People would uh, come from different backgrounds. They would choose design, choose software engineering, IT in general, because mm-hmm. uh, they either cannot find an application for their skills. Say you have lots of beautiful, talented architects that can't find a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, design is the second best choice they've got, uh, considering the background. In your case, you were doing something remotely related to design, not exactly... That uh so I would assume that that had actually made the transition a little smoother for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I personally come from a background that nothing to do with design whatsoever. What did you I, study? I studied Asian studies, uh which you study Asian study. Yeah, I mean, okay, I, I believe in my in my bachelor's mm-hmm. degree it says something like Asian and Oriental studies. Asian African studies, I can't remember exactly. How,
1: how did you pick that up?
0: Uh, so I was getting ready to either become a, an interpreter. Uh, I was pretty well at uh, you know, languages in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mum basically nudged me to consider that career. And at some point, I just found myself doing that for a long while. Uh, one of the options was to be an interpreter. Another one was to essentially go on a diplomatic service. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know being an ambassador, even you know, an assistant to an ambassador at some point of your life, that was uh, mm-hmm. still perceived as something uh, luxurious, that, like a great career that you would find for yourself. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, having spent four years of my life studying languages, history, uh, culture, people, uh I realized that that was not something I wanted to do because uh, it was actually pushing me towards uh, the life of, well, essentially academia. Mm-hmm. And I did not really want to keep researching the the topics that I was at the moment uh, mm-hmm. focused on. So uh, I picked a few jobs on the side just to, you know, stay myself, uh, get some nice stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was about 16 when uh, a friend of mine brought us an opportunity, a really good gig. Uh, We built a website for a friend of a friend. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then they ordered another one. Then came another one in long story short, one thing after the other, Mm -hmm. you you find yourself designing digital products and well, the end of the day, you call yourself a designer, but, uh, all of those layers and layers of background experience, uh, the education that has nothing to do with design, Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that you are a self-taught designer because you've essentially uh, opted for that path. You know, you you've decided intentionally that you are going to uh, learn by doing, Mm -hmm. which I mean is a great way of learning things in, great education great curriculum is also designed uh, for you to make a lot of explorations your teachers and your teachers will be there to guide you Mm -hmm. which is pretty much what a good manager would do as well Uh, and I was lucky enough to have uh, good managers in early in my career and at the end of the day you find yourself feeling like you do not belong I remember that moment when uh, I was a junior designer it was one of the first Full time assignments that I had, and I was tasked with uh, cropping backgrounds. In uh, Photoshop. There was, yeah, there was like uh, the magic bunch selection. of, magic <laughs> I wish there was a bunch of really, really poorly uh, uh, slept together pictures of products. <laughs> I was assigned, you know, as a junior who had some time in the end mm-hmm. uh, to cut it all nicely separate those effect. projects and remove the background and i spent hours mm-hmm. just doing that and messing it all up and then doing it again and again and i could never understand mm-hmm. how the person sitting next to me could do it so perfectly mm-hmm. and so fast and they were a professional designer and that like, was cropping out the background <laughs> I mean, I, uh, I'm i pretty sure there is, you know, a bachelor's degree uh, that does have this module where they teach you how to properly remove backgrounds and the images. There are
1: certain procedures to do that. I mean, like if you just search 10 years ago on internet, you can find those tutorials in Photoshop to teach you how to perfectly remove the background as much as you can. But
0: that was the problem. Mm-hmm. So... On the one hand, yes, you have all this information easily available. Mm -hmm. Everything that you need is out there. Just go on YouTube, go on any website that's dedicated to it and just learn how to do it. Mm -hmm. From a practical standpoint, rational standpoint, nothing's stopping you from doing it. However, there's this little voice in your head that says you will never be as good as that person sitting next to you, mm-hmm. because they are trained to do it, and you are not.
1: They have a diploma, or they have, even have a degree in that. Exactly. They have a piece of paper. Exactly, they have that piece of paper uh, that
0: basically testifies that they uh, had just spent four years of their life uh, learning those things. Mm-hmm. You know, studying the ins and outs of design. Uh, the entire curriculum and you would imagine you know something like a Bauhaus curriculum where there would be foundations there would be different tracks and there would be like different specialties and all Mm -hmm. at the end of the day this voice in your head is the one that completely ends your progress like you can't do anything and in my case it ended up with me uh I've never actually learned how to crop backgrounds. Like, if you ask me now to do it, I would just go on Google and search background remove online, and there would be like 20 tools. Even even more
1: ridiculously, Gen Z probably just going and asked
0: AI to do that. I mean, you can literally do it on your iPhone right now. Yes. You just tap the object, and it's pretty decent, right? Press and hold, yeah. But the voice never. Actually mm-hmm. disappeared, the voice is still there
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it keeps pointing me in the direction of those other people who are better than me, who are well trained, or have experience in different industries, who have worked at big companies, and you know I can say right now I check all the boxes
1: mm-hmm.
0: I have a master's degree in design. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have years of experience as a designer in-house in agencies. I work at a big company. Mm-hmm. And I still have that voice in my head that keeps saying, yeah,
1: you are not a designer. The voice is telling you that there is always somebody who does something better than you, not just cropping out the background.
0: Pretty, pretty much. There is everything. always
1: somebody who is like more senior than you. Even the years experience can be something telling you that you're not as good as that person because he has been in the street for more, for way longer than you are. But is that only a
0: question of experience or, or, say, education? Or is there more to it? Mm-hmm.
1: What do you think? There are more. I mean, they, okay, the, the time is just one aspect of it. It's not just one dimension thing. When you put everything together, experience, your your seniority, and that voice is basically telling you, well, you don't have that piece of paper, no matter how much time you spend on it. You don't have that qualification. Okay, but
0: is it only experience and a title in a degree? Or is there anything else behind the imposter syndrome? You know, I don't want to get all mm-hmm. theoretical and get into you know almost political frameworks there. Uh, we know, as a matter of fact, that mm-hmm. women experience imposter syndrome more frequently than men in design as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really happy to see that more and more uh, advertisements for jobs actually state that men are more likely to apply for jobs even if they do not fit all the requirements, whereas women would try and tick all the boxes. And that is also a manifestation of an imposter That's syndrome. True. It is a
1: fact. Isn't there... um, I'm not sure about yours. Um, And is is there more girls than boys in your team now?
0: Oh, I've got a very diverse team. Mm -hmm. I'm actually very happy with uh, how we are uh, structured. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I got uh, a female manager Mm -hmm. uh, and a male manager. So they work together, essentially. So Mm -hmm. that creates a really good dynamic. Uh, we have people who come from different backgrounds, uh, so I'm not the only non-Asian person on my team, and I mean the organization in general. Mm-hmm. But uh, first of all, yes, not everybody is uh, that lucky, I guess. Uh, and the second fact is, uh, we as a society have only now reached uh, the point where we actually openly discuss those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, We know for a fact that men are 60% more likely to apply than women if they don't fit all the criteria. So you can think of it as um, the reason why I was asking, like maybe it's a little more than just, you know, education and experience. It is also the upbringing. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you are taught that you need to be perfect, that you need to make a perfect fit in order to be considered for anything, Uh, It's like your parents that will only give you sweets and treats if you get an A+, and God forbid, you get an A-, Mm -hmm. anything lower than that, uh, they disown you. And a lot of people go through that experience like it's a trauma. Now imagine this at scale. Mm -hmm. You have uh, people who have essentially been excluded from the public discourse. I've been excluded from holding... Uh, senior titles uh, from essentially doing certain jobs as a result the expectation is well if you're a female and you want to do that you need to be perfect and much better than all of those men and men are just more confident in this situation Mm -hmm. Uh, we are getting over it it doesn't mean that men do no experience again evident by our discussion here Uh, Imposter syndrome, but uh, Mm -hmm. it is something that cripples uh, women, uh, people of color, Mm -hmm. uh, people from the LGBTQ plus community, Mm -hmm. uh, anyone who would essentially be traditionally marginalized uh, would experience it more often. Which means that uh, if you are, uh, you know, a member of any of those groups. Mm It should inspire you, knowing that, you know, the the historical facts and knowing that we have uh, been researching it for a while now, uh, it should give you a little bit of relief and it should inspire you to reflect on whether it is an imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. indeed, or maybe, uh, and this is also possible, uh, you are indeed lacking something for a particular title of choice or a job of choice, uh, that does not mean that you should not be striving to get there. It is just that you need to like bridge the gap between where you are today and where you need to get to.
1: the, the cultural thing can be the cultural society issue can be a very external factors that contribute into imposter syndrome besides the education, your qualification, experience. Which is actually coming from your side, your, your inside out, um, yeah, I totally agree. It's it's just a total holistic experience to from a society me,
0: as an as an Asian kid, mm-hmm. essentially growing up in in a rather traditional environment. Moving to Singapore uh, as this like prodigy and a talent, uh, what was it like for you? And how do you think it may have contributed to you know
1: you having imposter syndrome later? It started, you know. I I recently read a joke about it. It, it can be a joke, but it's something that we can res- re- resonate about. Mm. You know, a few days ago, this this is a Singaporean girl who was I think the bowling team in some of this regional game here. They they got like eight out of ten medals, mm. and that was quite a big news historical. So there was an um, Instagram post, I saw it. And Let me guess, people were saying
0: only 8 out of
1: 10. It's like, it's the dialogue between her and her mom. So it's being a typical Asian mom, and she was like texting her. I'm not sure if it's true, but it's something I can really resonate about. It's like, she sent a photo to her mom, and she said, Mom, look at us, we got 8 medals out of 10. You know, her mom response was like, not bad, can do better. Next time, get all the 10. To quote a good friend of mine,
0: uh, you're an Asian, not a a B-G-I-N. So.
1: That's that's very Asian. Scene. And something I can resonate because I grew up in that kind of environment as well. So it's like, if you're getting 99 points out of 100 points, your parents won't be like asking you, telling you, okay, 99 is really good. You got an A-plus. Let's go on for celebration. And my parents basically were asking you, okay, think about this. Why did you lose that one point? Where did you lose it? Get a book, writing writing down all the error you made, the mistakes. Why you lose that one point? Remember that one point. So next time when you go for exam, this will not be happening again. It
0: is incredibly, incredibly familiar.
1: Are all Asian parents it? are perfectionist?
0: You know, I uh, okay, I I don't want to generalize like that mm-hmm. uh, and say that you know, everybody's like that. I do know uh, a lot of people who having experienced that trauma as uh, children, uh, you know, do not want to inflict the same upon their kids. And I really, really appreciate that they show love to their child and understanding and respect rather than uh, just being constantly pressing them to, to do better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I. It's funny how something that uh, you grow up with, uh, in this case, you know, this perfectionism, this desire to to be the best version of yourself, no matter what, at any cost, is essentially causing you to doubt your own uh, capacity for doing certain things later in life. So when you reach the point when you land a job, uh, I have not Discuss this with say doctors or lawyers, but I'm pretty sure that there are lots of like neurosurgeons, uh, who literally doubt their skills every day mm-hmm. and keep questioning whether they're good enough. You know, uh, there's there's a really good song, uh, with the lyrics that go, uh, I'm Mr. Dr. Men mm-hmm. who questions his hands, and I'm like, Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I. I'm just
1: that. It's it's like you're already a doctor or a lawyer. You're basically living your life into your childhood um, perfect example, like what your parents want you to be. And you're already like really on the top tiers of all the income, the the, the, the pyramid. And then you're still thinking whether you're doing good enough. After all the years of extensive training and education.
0: So... We have the cultural aspect. We have the political, essentially, aspect of it. Everything that you know that contributes to us feeling insecure about our own abilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, uh, I don't have any empirical evidence to support this claim with. But I'm wondering uh, whether recession has anything to do with it, mm-hmm. in whether. It amplifies uh, the impost syndrome in people, designers and people in tech in particular, because Mm -hmm. we see fewer jobs available. We see uh, lots of people getting laid off and lots of people losing their jobs. In this situation, a lot of those folks that are in fact talented, you know, and they have uh, the capacity to do great things, they end up not applying for jobs, or they just end up giving up and doing something else uh, because they're at a stage where there's no demand just yet for what they do. Mm-hmm. Or maybe the demand is just uh, relatively low. And then having applied for 100, 200 jobs and you know, not landing a single interview, this may objectively uh, cripple anyone's confidence. Yeah. In fact, uh, I... I often feel that way. Uh, I send lots of applications to different schools, mm-hmm. as I'm. I, I've got lots of uh, different research areas that I like to tackle within uh, research programs. In um, I do get ghosted all the time. Mm-hmm. This occasionally rejections or this like cold replies, mm-hmm. stating that yeah, it might be interesting, but yeah, not our lane, might. So, Mm -hmm. uh, not to mention job applications cold calls to potential clients just outreach Uh, you get rejections uh, all the time and I think we need to do an episode on how we deal with rejections separately Mm -hmm. (laughs) but uh, that definitely makes you question uh, if nobody wants to offer me a job if nobody wants to take me in Nobody wants to pay for my services. Am I
1: good enough? Well, it's it's really a mutual thing. It's, you know, I read a quote before when I was looking for my first job after graduation from university. And it says, don't just rely on believing in this fact that you are looking for the job and therefore all. Oh, you are on the lower end of this whole transaction, the deal. It's like you're asking or begging something to give you a job. Because if you're looking for the job as a freshman, as a as a fresh graduate, um, it's a mutual selection. It's like how you date. It's you're selecting a job, but the company is also selecting the right choice of people. So does... In that sense, does the company also have imposter syndrome when they come to the choices of candidates? Do hiring managers have imposter syndromes? That's a, that's something I don't know. It's just something <laughs> came
0: to my mind just now. I can definitely imagine some of those folks having that as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's an obvious thing that somebody, you know, just anybody would have it. I don't know how it manifests in them. I don't know mm-hmm. what they feel like, but... I think you are right in a way that, uh, but again, veering off topic a little bit, Mm -hmm. uh, learning how to accept uh, rejections and learn from rejections is uh, a really critical part of battling imposter syndrome as well. Uh, But if if I look at uh, another manifestation of Mm -hmm. imposter syndrome in general, So, again, we've discussed where it's coming from. Uh, I think that is more or less like all of the ideas that we may have, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, we we obviously cannot influence how uh, people, you know, treat their kids or how they overcome childhood traumas. Uh, Therapy is a really good answer. Mm -hmm. But uh, if it is something like a rejection, uh, I can see a lot of people... Uh, with an imposter syndrome that amplifies gets over the roof, they use it to to prove themselves, and they use it to you know challenge themselves to do more. It is like a negative but also positive reinforcement in a way is quite destructive and I feel it because I've been doing this for a long time I used like a channel this rejection and the feeling that I did not belong yet that I was just you know uh, making things up and I was not really a designer and I used it to prove that everything uh, in that sentence was not true that I in fact was capable of doing those things but There are other people that just, you know, they just shut down. Uh, They do not feel motivated at all. They get to a point where imposter syndrome gets, you know, gets the the hold of them. And they end up leaving. They end up uh, just becoming the most average version of themselves professionally. Mm -hmm. They end up. Uh, I don't want to say wasting their potential, but definitely not utilizing it at all. And I think in this case, feeling that uh, you do not belong here, although you were already accepted one way or the other. Feeling that you are not good enough, although there are things that you have done well, and you know that they can seriously damage your psyche and your career, professional
1: growth. Well. I think the thing is, how do you... Okay, the first thing is, you are the you are the only one who's telling you whether you're doing good enough or not. I mean, there are lots of inputs, like society factors, your colleagues. But maybe your colleague, most of colleague, colleagues won't be actually telling you you're not doing good enough at your work, out of courtesy, out of politeness. But I'm very lucky. I'm in the team that most of my colleagues, actually, they are very supportive. If you're not doing something good enough, they'll just say, it's fine. There's next time. Try better. But you're ready. Try your good. Try your best. But think about this. the Eventually, the voice telling you you're not you're doing good enough is yourself. True.
0: I think uh, a good manager and a good team, in general, should be able to give you feedback mm-hmm. uh, when when needed. It does not mean that they have to bash you. In mm-hmm. fact, uh, any feedback is an opportunity for growth. So in, in a good environment, in a good setting, you would be hearing that you were not great at doing certain things. But then you would use this as a suggestion, essentially as a nudge, to focus on those particular things, right? As a feedback, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. so it turns into a feedback loop, basically, where your manager or a team member they tell you what went wrong, what you could not do, what you're not great at just yet. Mm-hmm. You tie it to your personal goals and your professional aspirations, and you take it back and you try and improve it, right? Uh, it's a good reminder that... You can't really be perfect. And since you can't be perfect, there's no this like imaginary perfect designer's persona. You know, the embodiment of a designer in general. That means that you are good already.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There's no reason for you to think that you are an imposter. You are just pretending. Because if you don't know something, it's only natural is just a reminder that there are certain things that you need to learn It is in no shape and form uh a nudge to abandon everything altogether because you're just pretending and you're a fraud and you're making
1: it all up as we study at the beginning of this episode there are internal factors and external factors i think the whole model is like your internal factors in this mind game matters more weightage compared to the external factors. So imagine you have two feedback loops, but actually one is on top of the other. It's looping outside of the others. The external factors is all the feedback you receive from your managers, from your teammates. If they're telling you, you're doing great, you're doing okay, just carry on. That's already very supportive. That gives you a great amount of encouragement. But then... Even this little feedback, positive feedback, they're going to be vanquished by your internal thoughts when you start to take all this feedback home mm-hmm. and start to think, are they really telling me the truth? Are they just like being polite to me? They're just being nice to me? Or actually, I'm not doing good enough. They're just being nice to, to not pocket out. Then that, that's, anything, that's a sinking right? trap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that sinking trap, it's basically vanquish all these positive thoughts that you got from your teammates. Yeah. And then again, you're back into this positive loop, po- a positive feedback, like telling yourself, you're not doing good enough, you're an imposter. Next time, you're not going to be as good at this time. If you even fail next time, you're going to even greater fail next time. And then basically, people starting to burn out and overshoot it. I mean, it's only natural that if you set yourself
0: to a failure, failure is what you're going to achieve. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's a very thin line that I personally cross all the time between uh, being critical and objective of Mm -hmm. what you do and how you do it and, yeah, just just bashing yourself for no reason and being too hard on yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Look, unless you are, in fact, an imposter which means that you are deliberately pretending that you are something who you really are not. Uh, If you know a doctor, but you're calling yourself one, you are an imposter. Uh, It does beg the question, like how do I distinguish, especially in case of a designer, there's no Mm -hmm. like formal education requirements, right? Uh, in terms of, like, being, say, a dentist, it's rather easy to say that a person is, in fact, one. Uh, Whereas in case of a designer, uh, I mean, if you are engaged in design activities, Mm -hmm. if you understand what you do and you're just blindly following somebody without, you know, putting a single thought into it, and if you actually care about it all, that very much means that, yes, you... Uh are indeed a designer,
1: you are indeed uh genuine you know in effect after years of practice in design mm. unless you didn't really learn anything at all mm. for yeah. sure, you have a really much experience for you to apply on that won't be calling yourself an imposter anymore
0: yeah, yeah, so uh just like you said mm-hmm. uh we can't really control some of those factors. The influence, the family, the cultural background, the environment that we come from.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We can choose better teams. And that's part of the environment that we build for ourselves. But we should always just look inwards. And we should always think about, are we being too critical of ourselves for no good reason?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Are we choosing to be an imposter and you now we're choosing to think of ourselves as imposters. Uh, and then work with that inner voice, mm-hmm. you know, uh, trying to understand where it's coming from, what's causing it to appear and how can you uh, get rid of it? Because at the end of the day, just like you said, it's not going to,
1: to do any good for anyone. Yeah.
0: And Most you're of the time we just just
1: thinking traps. Yeah, yeah, Just be mindful of that, and it's just a trap there. Don't trap inside. So uh, I think it's safe to say that if you feel
0: like you are an imposter, just remember that you're not alone. All of mm-hmm. us have felt that at some point. A lot of people still feel it every day and experience it every single day. Uh, be brave. Strive yeah. uh, to be the best version of yourself and to not compare Mm -hmm. yourself with the others. And remember that if you're not trying to deliberately deceive someone without actually helping them, without providing your services, without doing anything, Mm -hmm. uh, that is a voice in your head that you need to get rid of. You need to heal yourself of it. And just remember to be well. Remember to think about and focus on your wellness rather than
1: on destructive thoughts. And don't keep it to yourself. Go out and talk to your friends. You can share yours. Mm -hmm. Like how we share our last episodes. How we share pretty much any episode. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. And if you have any story you do want to reach out to us or you have any comments or any questions, feel free to drop us a message at hide at paperandpain.com. And we'll be very happy to listen to your stories. Thank you so
0: much, folks, for tuning in. This is Paper and Pain. This is Steve. This is Christian. See you next time.
1: See ya.